Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. It's the Fightful MMA Smokes Podcast with Showdown and Sean Ross. Joe, you and I are what I presume to be live. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? August 14th edition of the Holy Smokes Podcast. Yours truly, Joe Ferraro, your host, my co-host, managing editor Sean Ro- or managing editor for Fightful, Sean Ross Sapp. Both of us had play-by-play gigs over the weekend. We'll share some stories about that. Uh, I am, This is the hurting edition for yours truly, as I landed uh, after a 26-hour day of traveling. I landed in Toronto at 2 a.m., Today, came home, slept, woke up, did as much as I can to prep for this podcast while having a little guy running around who hasn't seen me in five days. So this is going to be fun. We were going to preview UFC Lincoln. Uh, apparently Shogun's not retiring, which I respectfully disagree with. But uh, we're going to hear we're going to see Cyborg Santos likely return very soon. Just that beef with Pauly uh, Malinaji and Conor McGregor continues to go down. Um, a lot of talk continuing about Demetrius Johnson and Henry Cejudo. A lot of the pros have scored that fight we'll get to we'll, we'll talk about that momentarily again we'll talk about uh, my experience uh, covering or not covering but calling Ryzen Fighting Federation 12 another stellar event lots of great finishes uh, one specifically that Sean's probably going to lose his mind on he's going to want to talk about that for sure uh, and of course Sean did play by play as well over the weekend Sean what's going on brother you know I'm wearing this beautiful soft as butter fightful t-shirt which subscribers of fightfulselect.com tier 2 they get these things after just four months of subscribing. So not only do they get the podcast, they get the early access. This is half of what you're paying for right out of the gate. And hot damn, man, this stream is trash. I hate Wirecast, but we're going we're gonna to fight through it. We're going to battle through it. We're going to make it work for the people. Back on. <laughs> it's back because on. We're this good. Is, this is uh, one of the last versions of this show, I believe, that we're going to do on Wirecast as James Lynch joins us in two weeks. The show next week will be preempted as I will be in Canada, uh, but 
we're talking about Lincoln today. Uh, I've got some other topics up on the the fightful version of of this page. So we, there are a few things that happened, including Tom Lawler getting cut or being released or being let go, whatever it may be. I suspect it's it's of his own call, but. We got a lot going on today, and I'm excited to talk Ryzen and Premier MMA Championship. Lots of fun stuff, Joe. Yeah, lots of stuff to discuss here. Where do you want to start, though? Because there is so much. Uh, Fightful Select fact- plug by telling them that I'm going to do a <laughs> UFC rankings breakdown uh, every single week. And I'm doing the If It Were a Work, If It Were a Shoot podcast this week, where I break down UFC Bellator cards as if they were... Uh, a work if Bellator and UFC could work the the matches, and I break down the WWE, Ring of Honor, New Japan, Impact shows if they were shoots based on the skills and the the stipulations provided. And there's a big card this Sunday with SummerSlam. Matt Riddle might be showing up in WWE. Who would have thought, Joe? No, I mean, for just, real. Since since Fightful launched, Shane Helms showed up for WWE, signed with Ring of Honor, Showdown Joe got work with Ryzen. <laughs> you got Elias Theodoru cracking the top 15. Jason Kincaid got brought in for WrestleMania weekend to do some work for WWE. Matt Riddle, WWE. Vince Russo, I will not talk about Vince Russo. Jeff Hawkins got his dream job. Pat Fannin got his dream job. All these people. Rob McCarron went to Flow Slam. He saw their business plan and said, Piss off, mate. <laughs> But he got the offer. Oh, Hashtag because of Fightful. Leave us a thumbs up, you guys. But let's let's go ahead and talk about our weekends, Joe. You did commentary for Ryzen this weekend. And we saw a Von Flew choke on Angela Magana, no less. Yeah, so, I mean, you, you tweeted about an hour or so ago, you know, what went through Showdown Joe's mind during that scenario as I was calling that. So I'll tell you exactly what went through my mind. First things first, Von Fluchok is now locked on by Murata. Uh, A high-level one, too. Not like some of the ones that we've seen in the past. I don't know that that, that guillotine that – or it was – Magana kept going for the head. I mean, that's just what happened. I think she recognized that pattern and had that planned from the jump. I think this was a premeditated Von Fluchok, which – I'm not going to hate on it. I'm not going to hate on it for once because you can see as she's dragging Magana down, she's already pinching the arm to her shoulder to not give her any room to get the arm out. That's a different level of Von choke. I was very impressed by it, actually. So while it was going on, of course, anytime there's a Von choke, because my at this point there's an acute sense that I have whenever I see a Von choke because of the times you and I have discussed it on this podcast, especially because of OSP. Yeah. When the Von Flu choke was on, I, the first thing and only thing that I do is I pay attention to the guillotine arm. I want to see where it is uh, on the uh, um, opponent's body. And when the angle, where they were, it was right in front of Frank Trigg and I. And I saw Murata completely and utterly trap that arm and drive her weight down in a perfect fashion to prevent the arm from getting out and prevent the neck from moving. And I thought to myself, so I, I told Frank, Frank was giving an, an explanation of something. And I said, Frank, the Von Flu choke is on. He's like, oh, no, that's, not, that's okay. She, she's going to get out of it. And I said, no, she's not. She will not get out of it. She's got just too much time here. That thing is locked in. And I think if I'm not mistaken, he's like, no, 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 all she has to do is this, this, and that. I said, the right arm is trapped. And what I tried yeah. to explain is 
If you've ever been caught in a von flu choke, ladies and gentlemen, if you if your hands look like this, okay, you can get out. Okay, when you're wearing a glove, and it's much bigger, okay, meaning there's about another two inches all the way around, that cannot get out when it's trapped nine times out of ten. You get a guy like OSP on top of you. You get a, an Olympic or a high, high caliber wrestler like Murata on top of you if you're a female. It's going to be very hard to get that arm out. You better come out with plan B very, very quickly. Uh, it's, I don't know if you guys have it in the States, the Staples panic button. Press yeah. that button. Start panicking. Do anything in there. You may have to throw technique out the window. One of my old jiu-jitsu instructors said, when all technique fails, panic. Get out. Do whatever you can to get out. Move the body. Move the hips. And Angela was trying. She definitely was trying. But it was locked in perfectly by Murata. And Angela had no, no choice either to pass out or tap out. Admittedly, when I heard that Magana got tapped with a Von Flu choke, I was like, let's see how she got herself into this mess. And when I watched it and I looked at it from a technical standpoint, I was like, all right, this is a little bit different. This is a different level. And even some of OSPs are as well. OSP has that, that insane power. There was no room for Magana to get that arm out. I can't really hate on that. Not only that. She looked like she was heading for a shoulder dislocation as well at one point. That was yeah. that was nasty. I was wondering if this was going to be turned into a shoulder lock. And you saw Murata go go in and out of a, a half guard as well. Like That was something that I, I wasn't expecting. I like that. That, that was cool. And it, it's one that I'm not going to hate on for once. I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised on. that you're not. I mean, the, the technique was there. It wasn't... Now, to be fair, it was the... I don't want to call it inept. Magana kept going for the head over and over again, and that's what set it up. Not that she necessarily held on in that position. Maybe she had a fraction of a second. Maybe. But I don't know if it was enough to get her hand out or to get her arm out. But, man, it's just... Murata recognized that Magana's going to keep going for the head. All right, I'm going to make her pay for it. Going to make her pay for it. Caitlin Young got a win on the show, and boy, that was a big win for Caitlin Young. A huge win for Caitlin Young. Hatsu Hioki got beat. Man, I thought he was going to be the next big thing in 2011 when he came into the UFC. As it turns out, man, 30 fights, that'll do it to you in Shudo and World Victory Road. Sengoku... That, that'll rack up those miles when you're facing the Marlon Sandros of the world. He he lost. Uh, what stood out to you the most from this show? Oh, so much. I mean, whenever, I mean, and calling a Ryzen event is always fun because they do mix in the kickboxing. They're, they're, they're going to start going a little heavy uh, on kickboxing as well. So um, there's going to be, from my understanding, a tournament coming up with kickboxing. So if those are fun fights to call. You've got to have a completely different mindset when you're calling a kickboxing fight than when, you have, when you're calling mixed martial arts. But, I mean, if anything stood out to me, um, that main event, Luis Gustavo taking out Yusuke Yachi was just something, um, a sight to behold. There was a lot of, so the Hiyoki fight was the passing of the torch. That's how I had basically described the fight leading up to it and calling it as they were making their way down to the ring. It was going to be a passing of the torch fight or it was going to be a legacy that was going to continue for Hiyoki where he can start rebuilding his name in Japan just like Horiguchi was going to do. It was also the you know bullseye. The, the, the show itself had bullseyes for Tensin Nasukawa, who's the kickboxing wizard, 
uh, of Japan right now. He's competing on the next card. He was there doing some play-by-play and bullseye for Horiguchi. It seems everybody in kickboxing wants to fight Nasukawa. Everybody in the right division wants to fight Horiguchi. But then you got Luis Gustavo, who's a Vanderlei Silva protege, who idolizes Vanderlei, comes in on short notice, repla- replacing Bruno Carvalho to take on Yusuke Yachi, who many are believing, who believed, you know, he's the next Sakuraba, in essence, the face of Japanese MMA. Or not, sorry, not maybe not Sakuraba, but at least Gomi, because he defeated Gomi uh, on the New Year's Eve show, and he's beginning to get a major push uh, by by Ryzen as the next star in Japanese MMA. And Gustavo comes into this event. With one mindset, his idol, Vanderlei Silva, his mentor, came to Japan one time and took out Kazushi Sakuraba. And he took all that sort of fame or tried to take away that fame away from Sakuraba and show that the Brazilians should be stars in Japanese MMA. And that was his goal. And my goodness, in the second round, did he ever prove uh, that this kid is – and he's a 145er, Sean. He's not a 55er. He's a 45er, moved up a full weight class and did that to a very talented Yachi. One of the things I like about Ryzen is over like a three or four month period, you'll see like probably six different kinds of chokes from like scarf hold rest chokes to anaconda chokes, guillotines, triangles, arm triangles. The last event was a bit of, devi- of a deviation from this before this show. There were none because that's just the way the Japanese MMA ends up. Like you're going to, you might see three chokes on a card and they're all going to be different, which you saw this weekend the Von Flew, the rear naked from Matoya and the Kunimoto arm triangle. But there weren't any in the last one, so I was kind of glad to see that. Last time it was like all knockouts. <laughs> I think uh, a couple weeks ago when you called that show. So uh, definitely, guys, check out Showdown uh, Joe calling Ryzen in the future. So They're on Fight, right? Yep, Fight TV. I was on Fight TV this weekend. Oh, boy. Called Premier MMA Championship 9. It was a good show, unfortunately. Uh, I'll miss their November show by the looks of it. I'll be doing some work uh, for Fightful.com doing the NXT show. This was a lot of fun. You had a 165-pound pro main event featuring UFC veterans Justin Edwards and Carlo Prater. Two guys who could have fought at a different weight class. And Edwards was small in comparison to Carlo Prater. Prater still looks like UFC shape. Uh, Not to say Edwards doesn't, but Edwards just mollywopped Carlo Prater in the clinch, on the feet, everywhere, and then submitted Carlo Prater in the third round. It was a really, really dominating performance. And Justin Edwards looked good. And when you think about it, it's like, okay, Carlo Prater, he's beaten Carlos Condit before. Justin yeah. Edwards, if you look back, he was on the Ultimate Fighter comeback last year. Oh, and remember the guy who he was piecing up six years ago, Tony, Tony Ferguson, before he got caught with an up kick? Yeah. Like, it's pretty wild when you see the, the heights that these two guys reached, and it was uh, it was a fun event. It was a really good show. There was a, a co-main event fight with David Rankin, a 10-0 amateur. Get this, Joe, a 6'4 featherweight. What? 6'4 featherweight. Holy jeez, wow. He spans the entire cage. It was... <laughs> unbelievable and I, I've seen this guy I've scouted this guy one of my teammates has fought this guy I mean any show in northern Kentucky either you know my, my teammates are probably going to have fought three or four people from there so we did a lot of scouting on this guy and he's been he was an amateur since like 2012 2013 probably should have been pro a couple years ago but they they moved him along moved him along and uh man it was impressive Tobias Taylor 
who was maybe 5'8", kept getting inside on this guy who had used his range for his last 10 fights. And Tobias Taylor had an insane performance and beat David Rankin by decision. This is one of those learning process fights. You know, you have, he's never, I don't know that Rankin's ever been in this position as an amateur. We talk about it 10-0. and 0. That's unbelievable. There's also uh, an insane knockout. Ferreris Golden over Alfonso Allen, another guy. He's a 6'4 welterweight, a big welterweight. Even and still, 6'4, yeah, that's still yeah, big. That's geez. big for welterweight, much less 145. Alfonso Allen is another guy that I had scouted, but there was a brutal knockout right before this. Perry Stargell defeated Cam Williams by KO, and man, it was nasty. It was a filthy knockout. Scary a little bit. Everything looked fine. And the doctor was like, all right, good, you're good to go. They started the next fight. Well, in the first round, we get news. Maybe things aren't as smooth. So in these local fights, the doctor has to go back and check on this guy. The doctor has to be there. So when there's no doctor at ringside, you cannot continue a fight. So in between round one and two... The 90-second break for amateurs turned into more like a nine-minute break. Yep. Well, what do you do? We're live on Fight TV. You got two guys in the cage. Well, I'll tell you what happened. We ended up calling a best-of-three rock-paper-scissors contest (laughs) between the two fighters. That's amazing. Ferreras Golden and Alfonso Allen on the fly got in there and they said, let's do it. Rock, paper, scissors. However, their cadence was off a little bit. There's always some bozo that goes rock, paper, scissors instead of rock, paper, scissors, shoot. That ain't the way we play it in Kentucky. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Yep. So the referee comes over to us and says, that's the first time I've ever seen that. And I was like, well, at least make them follow the standard. Make them go two out of three. There are unified rules. Exactly. Scissors. Come on. Kentucky has adopted the unified rules of rock, paper, scissors. You got to do two out of three. I mean, when my wife and I decide who gets to pick the first cinnamon roll out of oh. the batch, it's yeah. two out of three rock, paper, scissors. Like, come on. So they run it back. The drama is high. Alfonso Allen manages to even it up at one and one. <laughs> Tensions, it's palpable. But Ferreris Golden, I think actually Ferreris Golden ended up winning two uh, two to one. My gosh, I was so excited that I I can barely remember. But we even had the production guy queue up replays. Slow-mos. Amazing. Slow-mos. That is spectacular. Whoever that production team is, is golden. They were fantastic. I love working with them. But that was it was a fun card. You had uh, Melanie Ward getting a come from behind submission win. A little bit of a, a of a controversial decision early in the night as Elder Ramirez defeated Alex Cadell. Alex Cadell, watch for him as a professional fighter. He has only three fights in as an amateur, and I looked at his skill sets, and I'm like, oh, he's going to be pro by the end of the next year, without a doubt. Uh, there was a guy who. Uh, uh, Grant Waybright had a great come from behind victory over Jacob Easter. That was a war. Uh, a lot of good shows on that, or a lot of good fights on that show. Tave Lewis and Taylor Ruskin was a good one. Check that out on Fight TV. Uh, you can find out more about them at CincyFights.com. I won't be at the November show, but you all should check it out. Always a packed house, man. I got paid to talk <laughs> about fights and rock, paper, scissors. 
Yeah. It was fantastic. Called the action with my buddies Rashawn Allen and Shane McClain. Would it shock me? It shock you for me to tell you? I realized when I got into the booth with Shane McClain, my coach had fought him. So Ooh, yeah, another another one, but he had high praise. Man, six foot four featherweight. There. Keep in mind, I mentioned this on the broadcast. The UFC heavyweight champion is like five foot ten. Yeah, yeah, that's wild. that's crazy. So the unified rules of uh, rock, paper, scissors do not affect uh, eight-year-olds uh, in Stouffville, Ontario, because uh, I, only, I only let them do one. Whoever wins it gets possession of the ball. They're, yeah, you got that's, their attention span. Yeah, you that's can't true, do but that, that's a timing issue. Yeah, yeah. So whenever it's either the rep team that I'm coaching or we're playing against somebody else uh, and there's no quarter flip, I just let the two captains or two centermen do rock, paper, scissors. Whoever wins gets possession of the ball. The player moves back six yards, so uh, we have to add, maybe some justifications have to take place um, in the rock paper scissors unified rules of MMA for Stouffville. But I do want before we get to some more MMA, there were some questions that were asked in the live chat. Thank you everyone uh, for the kind words on there for for both Sean and I. Um, Zach McDonald had asked me, you know, what do I think of how the WWE is booking Ronda Rousey? And Zach, I don't, I haven't even watched one one Ronda Rousey wrestling match because I just simply am not around, don't have the time, and I keep forgetting to PVR it. But I will default anything and everything uh, to Sean Ross Sapp, who's had nothing but high praise since Ronda has made it to WWE. For for her experience level, she is way far beyond what she should be. And I, I hear that about the two remaining horsewomen, Jessamyn Duke and Marina Shafir, too. And from what I understood, Joe, you remember Marina's career. She wasn't... You know, she wasn't the specimen that a Jessamyn Duke was, and she didn't have the background of a Ronda Rousey, and she wasn't the pioneer that Shayna Baszler was. So she was criticized and called a bust, and there were there were concerns with her initially. Not the case from what I understand. Apparently she is taking to it very, very well. But, uh, man, we're not going to be here next week, so we got to talk a little bit UFC Lincoln. But before we get into this main event fight, James Vick, Justin Gaethje, let's hear what the pros think. Man, I'm, pu- I'm pulling for Dustin for uh, Justin for sure. He's just fighting a little bit too often. I'd like for him to take some time, a little bit of time off, rest up a little bit, reset. I'd like to see that happen. Um, sometimes you get rejuvenated, come back with a different energy, and everybody go on a run. But um, you know, with J- Vic, just looks like a like the size difference, uh, the length would be a little bit uh, tough to deal with maybe, because uh, Justin does take shots. But if Justin starts popping them leg kicks, man, it's gonna be a long night. I felt them. You don't get out around like it's gonna be tough to get out around two, around three, when he starts when he starts letting them off. So it's a pick 'em. Uh, you know, I don't really pay attention to anybody in the lightweight, so I don't really have a pick. James knows how to use his range, and, and once he gets going, he gets into the flow. Gaethje's a guy that's coming off of two losses, and his impenetrable chin seems to be cracked now. But damn, he's tough, man. He's so tough. And um, I think he's going to chop away those long legs of Vic, and he's going to make it happen. I, I can see I can see Gaethje getting the win in this one. Oh, that's going to be a hideous fight to watch. It'll be, it'll be entertaining, but it'll be fucking ugly. Two cocks duking it out. Um, anybody's fucking guess. I don't know. It'll be, it'll be, it'll be destructive. You know, I'll throw it on uh, 
You know, I don't know. It, it depends on it depends on what Gaethje's done in between fights. You know, that guy is really is really technical, and stylistically, the matchup definitely favors James Vick. I think I think he's the the longer guy, but I think if Gaethje focuses a little bit more on being defensive and and, and really picking his shots a little bit better instead of just winging them, I think that I think that uh, the Gaethje can get that can get that W. Uh, that's Vick for sure. Vick is looking really good, man. Vick is. He's a dangerous dude, and he's a fucking welterweight. Like, I don't give a shit what anybody says. This guy is not a fucking lightweight. I saw him at athlete retreat, and I was like, yo, like, what the fuck, man? How are you so big? It doesn't make any sense to me. Like, he's six foot three, right? Like, and we've seen, like, some some big six foot three, six foot four lightweights before, but they're fucking bean poles. This guy's, like, way bigger than me, like, way thicker, way thicker than me. And he's, like, four inches taller. I, I actually don't understand how he makes weight and doesn't die after. Like, it's crazy to me. I'm interested to see exactly how long he's able to do that for. And, um, and then what's going to happen later in his career. Like, a lot of guys' kidneys will shut down when they continually cut a shitload of weight. Um, and I know he cuts an enormous amount of weight. Like, this guy's got to walk around a minimum 200 pounds. Minimum. Guaranteed minimum 200 pounds. So, um, and it's not like a 200 pounds. Like, I heard Khabib walks around at 200 pounds. But he's like 5'10". Right? So there's a lot of muscle density there. Right? You can squeeze water out of muscle. James Vick, there's a lot of bone in that in that frame. There's a lot of bone in that 6'3 frame. So you don't, you can't squeeze the water out of that as easily. Like I don't, I really don't understand how he makes weight repeatedly and like consistently. Um, so, uh, but I, long story short, I say James Vick. James Vick wins that. That's a tough one. Uh, I, I think uh, you know James Vick poses a lot of problems for Gagey. So like I, I could see him like getting the win, like getting a decision, or uh, I don't know. I can't see him. TKO and Gaethje, like that seems almost impossible. But I'd have to go with uh, Gage or Gaethje by knockout, or Vic gets the decision. Man, again, I'm a little biased there. I love both guys. I actually like this fight more than the Iaquinta matchup. And then uh, Paul Felder fighting uh, Mike Perry was another really cool uh, fight that they had put together kind of last minute. But uh, I'd like to see James Vic win that one. I just think he's like kind of like a newer generation. He's been doing really well. But, uh, but, man, that's a tough fight. It really depends on if he can stop the damage from, from, from Justin. But uh, that's another fight, man. I'd really like both guys, and I'd, I'd just like to see a good fight. You know, I think a, a win or a loss wouldn't hurt either guy that much. So uh, you can make some money there. Oh, man. You guys can see the full pros pick video over at FightfulMMA.com. Click that exclusives tab. Just posted it today, also on youtube.com slash Fightful. If you all don't already, subscribe, give us a thumbs up. UFC Lincoln, and this main event is a good one. Justin Gaethje, James Vick, and it's not this weekend, it's the weekend after, but like I said, we'll be traveling, or I'll be traveling at the very least. I thought that Justin Gaethje brought a, a pebble to a to a duel in that shit-talking battle they had, Joe. Because he... All he had was, I got more money than you! Okay. That plays right into Vic's argument that 
He was making all of his money beating tomato cans in the B-League. Ooh. I think James Vick is going to win this fight, too. Holy I, potty mouths on these guys. Yeah. Jesus, holy. F-bomb central. Um, I thought Justin did okay initially. I think it was initially when he started off with, uh, hey, James Vick, welcome to the big show. Welcome to your first main event. Yeah. That was blah, blah. I was like, all right, here we go. Uh, but then I guess James Vick, I mean, not, not every guy or girl is going to be witty. I mean, you got to have it or you don't. Some people are just regular dudes. Do I would, I would have laughed if Vick said, Oh yeah, I got a couch and a futon. <laughs> that good. Um, I'm actually going to go with Justin Gaethje in this fight. Really? Explain to me how you think to this go, is going to work. Well, I'm going to go on the assumption on the assumption and I have zero proof that this is going to happen, Sean. I'm only going to go on the assumption that Justin Gaethje and his team are going to have that conversation to say, dude, he came to the UFC. You're on a two-fight losing streak. What we've done up until now to get we were, where we are at has worked, except against Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier. We're going to stop doing what we do, and we're going to be a bit more cerebral. We're not going to sit there and stand and bang with a guy who's got reach on us, who's got good technique, who can strike like a mofo. Therefore, we're going to use our kicks. We're going to use our footwork. We're going to pick and choose our uh, telephone booth striking fests, and we're going to be smart about it. I have a sense that that's what's going to happen here. If that doesn't happen, he's going to get hurt. He may get knocked out again. He may get dropped. He may get – James Vick has that power. Um, but it's going to be a lot of work for James Vick to get this done. James Vick has to bite down and be ready. This thing could go 25 minutes because, you know, Justin Gaethje has, you know, somebody had mentioned on, on one of the fighters there had mentioned that his chin's been broken, his chin's been tapped, his chin, his chin's been exposed. Yeah, but it also, it's also Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier that did it. And those two guys are, are, are fantastic strikers. They're high level. They're slightly above where James Vick is. Okay. I think it's a great fight for Justin Gaethje. And I think he, he kind of, Draws the line there, and you know, in my opinion, I can't see him going three losses in a row. I just can't see it, right? But stranger things have happened. I just think that you know, if he's smart and doesn't go back to what he's used to doing, he wins this fight. I think that James Vick's body of work, his wins, are more impressive than Gaethje's. Gaethje beat Cavalcante and over the hill Melvin Gillard. He beat Brian Foster. That's good. That's good, but. Vic's beaten guys that are still in the UFC. Yeah, Jake Matthews, Duffy. Yeah, he's beaten Ronaldo. some guys that, that are still hanging around and are still there. We've seen him. He's been able to – his last three fights tell – or last four fights have told a pretty good story. He can finish it in the first, second, or third round, or he can ride out all three. I think his style, if it goes five, probably benefits him a lot more. Then Gaethje, who kind of opens up and empties the gas tank when he can. Yep. Not to say that Gaethje can't go the distance. But considering the way that that things unfold in Justin Gaethje fights, we've never seen him go five. We saw him go four and what happened 30 seconds into the fourth round. Yeah, exactly. So, so he entered the championship rounds, but all of 33 seconds, right? So, yeah. Uh, and, but this fight's going to be ridiculous. It's and the time so he was... When maybe he could have went five, Gillard missed weight and blew that all to hell. It became a three-round fight. 
I think that Vic has more tools to employ, and I think he's going to get the job done here. And this is the right opportunity for him. The, the upgrade from him fighting Paul Felder to Justin Gaethje. Stylistically, I think Justin Gaethje is a little less technical, at least with his punches. Not necessarily the kicks, because that low calf kick, man, from she Justin hurts. Gaethje, it's a game changer. We talk about game changing kicks all the time. And five years ago, you wouldn't have seen, I wouldn't have called one of those at a Premier MMA Championship 9. Called a bunch of them the other night. Same thing with, with oblique kicks and front kicks and wheel kicks, teep kicks even. We see them change the game, and I like that. So that is one hell of a main event. I love that main event. Co-main event, it should be a banger. Michael Johnson against Andre Feely. Now, the thing about Michael Johnson, he's lost three in a row. He's lost five out of six, but he is that guy. Poirier, he beat him. Edson Barboza, he beat him. Melvin Gillard, when Melvin Gillard was still something, he beat him. How about a win over Tony Ferguson? He can just do that here and there. You never know what he's capable of. But Andre Feely, man, this, this is the kind of fight, if they go in there and chuck and duck, even though we haven't seen a finish from Feely in a while, somebody's going to go down if, if that happens. You, you, I mean, is there anything in your brain right now that says this one's going the distance? No, not really, unless Michael <laughs> Johnson wrestles him. Yeah, I don't see that happening either. I think Michael Johnson always goes out there to prove a point. And he just loves, I mean, he, he's got, he's a perfect guy for Japanese MMA. He just goes in there, doesn't care. And just fights like Gaethje. Just go in there and fight. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he calls out Justin Gaethje afterwards, right? If he emerges victorious, I, I just think this is going to be a fantastic fight, and you know, hopefully a little bit more technique from both guys. But it's going to be a fun. It'll be a fun leather fest. Just bombs going everywhere, and uh, I cannot see it going 15 minutes. I mean, if it does, something went wrong. But I, I, someone's going to sleep here. Tyler James says, what if I run over somebody with my wheelchair? Would that be a wheel kick? Yes. Son of a bitch. Lots of wheel stomp. <laughs> Courtney Casey against Angela Hill. Courtney Casey has struggled, lost three of her last four. Angela Hill got back into the UFC a couple years ago after just going on a great streak in Invicta. And she's went on off, on off. Ah, man, I think that Angela Hill is the better fighter. I think that outside of the ground battle, and of course, Courtney Casey has a brown belt in jiu-jitsu. Courtney Casey and Angela Hill haven't been able to finish anybody in the UFC. Well, I mean, Courtney Casey did like years ago, a couple years ago. But of late, have not been able to put anybody away. When you have a fight like this, I'm surprised that it is on the main card as opposed to a Kraus Alves, as opposed to a Gall as opposed to Joanne Calderwood's flyweight debut, as opposed to John Moraga against Davison Figueroa. Does that surprise you, and who do you think's winning? I'm, I'm kind of leaning... It's hard to say, because you look at, at who Courtney Casey lost to in her last two fights, and they've been split decisions, okay? High-level fighters in that division, okay? Um, but then you look at Angela Hill, and you look at some of her losses. They're decisions to Jessica Andrade and Nina Ansaroff. Right. Yeah. So it's a tough fight to basically call. I'm going to actually lean towards Courtney Casey in this one. I think it does end up on the ground, and I think she catches Angela Hill. Although Angela Hill to me is so exciting and 
funny as heck on social media, especially on Twitter. Um, there's always a soft spot for my for, for Angela Hill in my heart. But technically speaking, I think this one ends up on the ground and, and Courtney finds a way to win. That would be how she wins in my estimation. I think that Angela Hill would probably piece her up on the feet. That's, that's how I think it's going to go. Yeah. Um, however, man, it, it just does seem to... Courtney Casey does have a tendency to end up on the ground, so I, it's hard. This is a tough one. Yeah, it's uh, just that Angela's never shown that she's got a lot of power in her striking. It's true. It, it's technique. It's, it's technical. It's precise. It's precise. 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 That's the Quebec version. That's the uh, yes. Uh, yeah, that's the other side of Canada version. But I mean, Angela's technique is there. You know, the, the precision is there. It, the power isn't there. She had the power. Again, it's her body frame as well. You can probably look into that as well. She had the power. It would be a different story for her career, in my opinion. Jake Ellenberger is 2-8 and eight since in the last five years and one month. Why is he getting another fight? Trying to finish off his contract? He shouldn't be competing anyways. He should, he he should. be done. Barbarain yeah, is going to win. Barbarain is going to beat him. Yeah. I mean, it, it, looking at this fight here, I mean, I, this is not the Jake Ellenberger of six, seven years ago. This is a different fighter altogether. And, you know, minus 570 for Brian Barberina, you know, but that's, I mean, that's what the bookies, you know. What, what was it? Minus 570. Oh, I'm putting five on Ellenberger for that one. <laughs> I got five on it. I ain't touching it. This guy opened up, Brian Barberina opened up at minus 285, and it shot down, sunk. Hit me with the, the main and co-main, or the, the first three fights, those lines. James Vick is a favorite at minus 160. Justin Gaethje a plus 140. Fair. Uh, close Michael Johnson, minus 140. Andre Philly, plus 120. Angela Hill, favored at minus 150. Courtney Casey, plus 130. All those are about right, in my, my opinion. None that stick out and say, I'm, I'll put five on it. Also, you see a fight like Andrew Sanchez against Marcus Perez. Andrew Sanchez has lost two in a row. Why is this on the main card instead of... Joanne Calderwood against Kalindra Faria. Well, you know, I do always have my suspicions. They're trying to get those, the the female MMA fans to subscribe to Fight Pass. Close, but yeah, I can tell you why, I think. Why? I mean, remember, this deal is coming to an end. The broadcasting deal is coming to an end. That's a good point. Uh, They're going to start putting more named fighters on UFC Fight Pass to kind of build it up. But even then, you got Gall and Sullivan, Moraga and Figueroa, you have Yuri Alcantara, you have James Krause against Warley Alves, all on Fox Sports 2. Yeah. So that yeah. does that's wild. Eric Anders is going to beat Tim Williams. I don't know a damn thing about Tim Williams. I just know he's going to get beat by Eric Anders because <laughs> Eric Anders is... He's 31 years old, just turned 31 this week, but... He's he's got next level talent. He's he's an elite athlete. Yeah, this 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 the way this is structured, you know, makes me laugh for all of you Canadian or or, or hockey fans. Um, just imagine the first period you can watch on UFC Fight Pass. Go to an intermission. Second period on Fox Sports Two. Go to an intermission. Third period on Fox Sports One. Like it's so like how, who, who, it's crazy, right? You need one consistent broadcast partner or one consistent location. Anyways, we well, can talk gonna about that. It's going to happen with ESPN at the very least. Yeah. At least, well, Hopefully. they'll be distributed all throughout. But It's crazy. Yeah, James Krause in action. Love James Krause. 
good dude. He's facing Warley Alves. You know, Warley Alves is supposed to be the second coming of Brazilian Jesus at one point. <laughs> he is back on track. Now, he's a guy who started off, won seven of his first UFC fights, if you include tough, got ran into Barbarina, the hype killer, and then ran into Kamaru Usman, the everybody killer. Has won a couple fights back-to-back. I think this is an excellent fight for James Krause, who has very sneakily won four in a row because he doesn't fight that often. He fights, he's fought once in 16, once in 17, once in 18. First time since 2015, he's been in the cage more than that. But look back at James Krause, and if a couple things went differently, we could be talking about James Krause in a much different way. Split decision against Lazaro. And the Bobby Green body kick, which some people, if you're Krause, you're saying that he kicked you in the nuts a couple times. He's very close to being in that James Vick territory where he's got all these wins and one loss and... You know, I'm, I'm looking back at the Lazaro Kraus thing. It was a close one. Masvidal, he just he just got beat. But this is a good fight. This is a very very underrated fight. You, you got, got five, five on it. James Kraus plus three eighty five. Plus three eighty five. I got five on it. Yep. Wow. You yep. know, I I kind of picked him to win anyway. Minus 485 for a uh, certain Worley Alves. He just seems like the guy that's going to capitalize on the mistakes of Worley Alves, maybe outsmart Worley Alves a little bit. And you know, Worley Alves can be a very aggressive fighter, and he's got a win over Colby Covington. So yeah, he can he can do some things. And if he keeps winning, he's if he's got to win this fight if he wants like an eventual rematch. with Well, if Colby Covington loses his next fight... And Alves wins. I could see them running back Covington Alves. I could see them doing that. But you know he wants another crack at Covington because of the name that Covington has made off of himself Yeah. in that time being. Meanwhile, James Krause, he's trying to crack the top 15 in a welterweight division that that is kind of packed. And he'll, he'll take fights all over the place. He'll take yep. fights at lightweight, at welterweight. He's bounced back and forth. This will be... I mean, I remember Campbell was at lightweight. Uh, the the fight on the redemption finale was welterweight. Last fight was lightweight. This one's welterweight too. He just switches back and forth. That's he is another one of those guys who could, should compete at one sixty five. A lot of guys, right? I mean, the, the, these there are two divisions the UFC should be considering. Um, and if, if someone else replaced Dana White, it would already be done. Right. Yeah. I mean, once they know he draws that line in the sand, it appears that he's just not going to move from it until he realizes, oh, to like 40 people tell him. And then he realizes, hey, you know what? That's a good idea. Like women in mixed martial arts or women in the UFC. Right. Like, yeah, takes a while for him to, to do that. I don't know what the 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 positioning behind the stance that he's taking. Is it coming from Sean Shelby and Mick Maynard? I doubt it. Right. But you would have two new divisions in cruiserweight. And uh, what, what's what's one sixty five super welterweight? I think you couldn't no. put a super lightweight. Super I don't think you could have like a super or anything. You'd have to come up with a name, your own yeah. name. Okay, well then there you go. You so you do that. Now I understand that you, you don't want it as boxing where it's you know so many champions and so many divisions. Blah sure. blah. It's the UFC, man. It's the UFC, and 
at this point, it's gotten to the point where it's like if you add two more divisions, it doesn't make a difference. They got 500 well, people on their roster. Like, who cares? Just to me, I'm, I don't care that much about the 225 division because there there aren't that many fighters. I do care about a 165 division because you got 100 guys in each division. And there's no reason. You can take 33 out of each division, and now all three have 66. There you go. Fun. Yuri Alcantara against Sandhagen. I'm picking Alcantara there. John Moraga against Davison Figueroa. I don't know how the hell to pronounce his last name. That's right. I, I know how. I know how. I just can't do it. Figueroa? Figueroa. So, Moraga... Is got he's got to be feeling good right now? Yeah, especially that he's a plus one twenty five. Well, yeah, he's a plus one twenty five. But Moraga is facing a guy who is three and zero in the UFC. Moraga has won three in a row after losing three in a row. Oh, and by the way, remember when he got that title shot five years ago? Yeah, that guy ain't champion anymore. Yeah. Oh, and he's never fought Cejudo. So there's a lot of people feeling real good. Joseph Benavidez is feeling real good right now. <laughs> Joseph Benavidez is going to get in in Cejudo's camp and be like, hey, listen, this is all I know about Mighty Mouse for the rubber match. Please beat him so we can fight. But Figueredo hasn't really shown me a lot of weakness. I think he's beating Dodson here, and we have a new contender emerge on Fox Sports 2. <laughs> Still can't believe it's the way that it's structured the way it is. Yeah, he's at number six right now. Um, I'm kind of weirded out about Husia Formiga. I mean, it's all gone quiet for him, in my opinion. Yeah. But anyways, um, yeah, big fight for Moraga. Obviously, big fight in terms of you got to keep that spot. Uh, these rankings were updated on uh, Monday, August 6th, so about a week and a half ago. Uh, about a week ago, uh, with Figueredo at number 14. So, you know, Moraga's got to protect that spot, remain relevant. Because, you know, the champion that's there right now, like you said, they've never competed. And, and there's a big, long list for Cejudo. If he was to defeat Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson again, that's another story altogether. Where does Mighty Mouse go from there? 135, just stay at 125, blah, 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 blah. Anyways, for the argu- for argument's sake, uh, I do think Moraga wins this fight. And he's the underdog. Uh, and I got five on it. What's the line? Plus 185. Hold on, let me go back. Uh, plus one twenty-five. So more. Of a, no, it's almost a pick'em, but not a pick'em, but it's it's a slight edge um, to the lower-ranked fighter, Davis Figueredo. You also have Mickey Gall against George Sullivan. Mickey Gall hasn't fought since November of last year. Before that, December of the year before, which puts him. I think it's it's kind of clever. He is not as experienced as a lot of guys in the UFC. He's using that time to prepare. He had some injuries. Sullivan's lost three of his last four. I think the UFC is hoping Mickey Gall wins this. What's the line? For Mickey Gall, it would be a minus 335. Plus 275 right. for George Sullivan. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's about right. I think Mickey Gall is going to submit George Sullivan, who is a brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, who I don't think has ever submitted anybody in 25 fights which is a little surprising to me, considering that he's been submitted by Nico Price and Tim Means and uh, a guy way, way back in his early pro career. Yeah, I think I think Mickey Gall's probably going to tap him out. Yeah, I think there's a submission here, right? I mean, he's, he's, Mickey Gall, I think, is so underrated. 
Um, funny, I don't know if you see some of the interviews he's done uh, after his last fight, but he's, he's actually a funny guy, but he's skilled, man. Yeah. Super skilled, and he will teach people a lesson. And I think his submission game is underrated, underappreciated. Um, although he's getting those wins via submission, so people know him for that. I just don't realize that how how I don't think people realize how good he is when he does bring it to the cage. Although that Randy Brown fight was yucky, yeah. Let's be honest, yucky in terms of if you're a um, a Mickey Gall fan. But his victories uh, over CM Punk and Sage Northcutt put him on the map for a lot of people to pay attention to. Uh, but he, hey, you get Fox Sports too, love. Go ahead. You got Joanne Calderwood making her long-awaited flyweight debut. This is long overdue. She hasn't fought in over a year. She's lost two in a row. She missed weight in her last fight. She had a fly... It's not really her flyweight debut. She she beat Valerie Letourneau at flyweight a couple years ago, but she should have never... She should... This division should have happened a long time ago. And I feel bad for her because she lost some... She lost some good years, man. She's 31 now. Yeah. This isn't the the Joanne Calderwood that we were looking at at 26, 27 years old in Invicta, where she looked like she was the second coming of something special and had to cut that extra weight on the Ultimate Fighter multiple times. I do think she's going to be Kalindra Faria, and Kalindra Faria is much better than, than given credit to as well because she walked into Barella and Jessica I. Those are two pretty pretty solid contenders in that flyweight division, but I think that Joanne Calderwood gets it done, and maybe Faria might get sent packing if she loses her third in a row, but I don't know if that division can afford to lose even her. I don't know. It's weird to say because she got to the UFC by defeating Karina Dam. I called that fight a Titan FC 41. Yeah. So I think the name value of Karina Dam is what got um, Kalindria to the UFC. You beat a veteran. You deserve to be in the UFC. Who needed fighters? I think she actually got a short notice. Uh, it was was it short notice? No, it wasn't. I don't, it might might have been short notice if I, if I recall. But she ends up fighting Barella, loses that fight in the first round. Bad look. Comes back ready to go. Fights Jessica I. That one goes to a decision. Oops, not good. Yeah. Right now you've got your chance here to sort of against a really good name in Joanna in Calderwood. So you beat JoJo. Things are looking good. You don't beat JoJo. Are you going back to Titan? Yeah. Right? That's that's where it's at. This I'm glad to see Calderwood here at this weight. One of the yep. I'm probably more excited about this fight than any other except for the main event, to be honest with you. Drew Dober, John Tuck. I'm excited for this one too, because Drew Dober is not a name that people look at and they say, Oh wow, gotta watch him fight. Well, let's think back. Fight of the night against Camacho that he won. He knocked out Josh Berkman. Uh, he had the fight where Aubin Mercier tapped him out. He knocked out Jason Gonzalez before that. Uh, a couple fights before that, he got tapped in a minute to Escadero. There yeah. was the Landris Silva fight. It got overturned because there was the, the ref situation there. He tapped out Jamie Varner in two minutes. Like He's had some, for better or for worse, some exciting Fights happen. John Tuck's the guy that won with like heel kicks to the body when he beat um, Jake Lindsay years ago in like 2014, and he's got a couple of good submission wins. But they were against Takanori Gomi and Taihoon Bang, who aren't exactly tippy top level right now. 
I think Drew Dober is going to win this. We did talk to Tuck on FightfulMMA.com. Go check it out. This is going to be an under-the-radar exciting fight, I believe. Oh, fists are flying. Yeah. Also, fists are flying. I think Ronnie Yaya, give me the line on this one. Ronnie. Oh, minus 120. My, Ronnie's only a minus 120? Yeah. I got five on it. He's facing that... a distraught Becky Lynchless <laughs> Luke Sanders. He lost his, his beautiful girlfriend, Becky Lynch. I doubt it's going to help him focus. Ronnie Yaya is a machine. A machine. Still has doing it after these years, man. One loss in his last eight fights and 33 years old, and he's got all those cage miles. Not him. He's the old knuckleballer. He's he's this he is the featherweight equivalent of of uh, Damian Maya in my estimation. That you know how I said Damian Maya, if they want him to, he can hang around and fight some fringe top twenty guys until he's 46, 47. He's the Charlie Huff. Huff. It doesn't matter. <laughs> he's gonna be out there with a Florida Marlins jersey just chucking it all knuckles in yeah. ninety three. Doesn't matter. And he'll still get it done. I think Ronnie Yaya will be able to do that too. I think he's gonna submit Luke Sanders. Because we saw Alcantara capitalize off of, of uh, a Luke Sanders' mistake. And I think that Ronnie Yaya will as well. Another fight that should be on the main card. My God. Yeah. Again, uh, we can talk to her blue in the face about how weird this is all structured for the UFC. But they're multi-million dollar company or billion dollar company. So mm-hmm. I'll just keep my mouth shut. I mentioned earlier... The flyweight situation. James Lynch was able to talk to several fighters about how they scored Mighty Mouse and Cejudo. Take a listen. Can't say enough good things about Mighty Mouse, but um, if I was objectively scoring the fight, uh, I would say he lost two, two rounds to three. Uh, maybe actually, I looking back at the fight, I think he lost the fight two rounds to three. Possibly you could see the argument, but in the moment, I thought he actually lost the fight four to one. I thought that. Uh, I thought that Cejudo outpointed him, I believe, the second through the fifth. I think I think he had the first. I think uh, Johnson had the first, but it was a really tough, close fight. I mean, anytime you have two super high-level guys like that, and they fight to a decision, like the, there's, a, there's good chances that it's going to be real close and hard to score and all the other shit. So, I don't know. I can see how someone could, could score it differently, but I thought, that, uh, I thought that Cejudo did enough. You know, they're both... They're both real high-level guys. Cejudo, uh, DJ, and, and Benavidez. I think anytime you get any th- like any combination of those guys in the cage, like you're gonna have you're gonna have something interesting happen. You know, it's not just gonna be like clear cut usually. Man, I think it was 49-48, DJ. You know, I think Henry uh, Cejudo he he did get some takedowns, but you know Demetrius Johnson outpointed him. There were some takedowns that he was able to pop back up or scramble back to his feet. Um, so I, I just think that, uh, you know, you, you see Demetrius Johnson backing up a whole lot more in this fight than he does, than he did in any of his previous fights. And, uh, you know, I just read that, you know, he had some injuries or whatever going into the fight. So I think it definitely played a, a part in the uh, in, in his game plan and the way he implemented that in the fight. So I think, uh, I think they need to run that back. Most dominant champ in history, probably the greatest of all time. Uh, he definitely deserves another chance. I had it as a coin toss, man. Like, that one could have gone either way. Uh, 
I think that Cejudo definitely solidified a bunch of those takedowns, and that's what won it for him. But also, he didn't really do anything from the top and score any any big shots. So I don't like that that's how the fights are scored, but I also see the other end where he's defending himself. So I think it should be whoever leaves more beat up and more damaged. Uh, I think it should solely be based off of damage. Um, and I think Demetrius maybe landed bigger shots, but that one was a coin toss. I, I have no idea. There weren't, there were never any points where everyone was like, oh, like, snap, you just got, like, cracked, you know? Um, so I don't know. That one was a coin toss. That could have gone either way. I thought Sehudo pulled it off. I thought he had the last three rounds. Uh, he did a great job of, uh, you know, like, I think Sehudo's weakness was the body, body kicks and the, and the clinch and the bo- knees to the body. I think when Demetrius clinched him up, he did a, uh, Sehub did a great job of stuffing his uh, knees, getting him tight, and either breaking away or, or turning the takedown. So I think it might have threw Johnson off a little bit. Because when he took him down the first time, I think Cejudo got some more confidence. And, uh, I mean, they got in the clinch a couple times. Even though Cejudo wasn't able to take him down all all the time, he was threatening the takedown. So I think that kind of uh, kind of put a big factor in it. So, I mean, I, I thought Cejudo pulled it off, you know, it sucks because I like Demetrius. He's, he's one, you know, probably the best, uh, you know, of all time. He doesn't get credit he deserves, but super good. I thought he did enough to uh, pull it off. To be honest, I saw Sehudo winning. He won three rounds of five. Uh, he put the pressure. He put him down. He controlled him, and probably put somebody down and control is not the best looking team. But I knew it was the first one just because he put me in bond a little bit. Even if I cut his head with elbows, because. We, we, we have dinosaurs from boxing judging, so they don't understand that I'm throwing elbows to my opponent's head. They don't understand I'm trying to get a number. They just see somebody on top of you doing, you know, knocking your head like that so easy, like, but they will give you the run. That was, I was like, okay, I lost the first round. Fuck that. But I really think Sehuda won the fight. It was a fair, it was a fair judgment. Full video, Fightful, MMA.com. I mean, they got to run back Mighty Mouse and Cejudo, yeah? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure what Marlon Vera is really saying there, but that's fine. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to say it's all boxing judges, you better come up with the names and the proof that they're all boxing judges. So uh, the commissions do put forth judges that are – some are certified, some are not. But that's a, cr- a crazy statement. Uh, I do want to point out the fact that, um, you know, how we scored the fight. Like I know I scored at 48-47 for Cejudo. Um, but a lot of us were discussing that Mighty Mouse didn't look like Mighty Mouse in this fight here. Uh, we do know that he thought he broke his foot from throwing kicks. We also know that he did uh, suffer an LCL tear. So when your feet and your legs are busted up in a fight and it's really affecting you, especially a guy with that type of ability, this is the result you're going to get. So he's going to have to take at least six weeks off at minimum, hopefully no surgery, get some rehab done. Uh, before any rematch takes place with Cejudo. But again, it just goes to show you, Sean, sometimes the smallest things uh, that we don't notice. I mean, did you even notice, other than that Dimitri didn't look like Demetrius Johnson, uh, or Dimitri, Demetrius didn't look like Demetrius Johnson in that fight, and then you realize, oh, well, there you go, he was injured. Yeah, it's wild, man. It is wild, but I think deep down, Mighty Mouse is like, cool, biggest payday of my career is coming up soon. Yeah, good for him, man. And good for Cejudo, man. Cejudo, fantastic in that fight. Like, that's not, let's give credit where credit is due. Both these guys are studs, and we want to watch that third fight, no matter what. Got some MMA news. 
Shogun not retiring, Joe. How do you feel? Hang up the gloves, Shogun. I don't think he should. I think he should keep getting that six-figure paycheck until he can anymore. Yeah, true. I just don't think he's got the chin anymore. And when you don't have the chin anymore, you start taking uh, unnecessary concussive blows that could, you know, provide damage or potentially be damaged or, or, or damaging and detrimental to, you know, later later years in your life. I think he's done enough in this career. Hopefully he saved his money, invested his money, uh, has has that money bringing in more money and just walk away. I just don't want to, I, I don't like seeing guys take that kind of punishment anymore. Polly Malinagi, Conor McGregor, the beef continues. Malinagi ain't never getting this fight. We all saw the video. We know that he did get knocked down. It's weird. I mean, it, it, it's funny. Conor McGregor continuing to troll him is so funny because he knows the reaction he's going to get. One photo and two lines gets seven, eight tweets out of Polly Malinagi. Yeah, I think it's hilarious. And I mean, if you're Pauly, like, what do you do? Like, you, you, that's a big payday if you can actually, some way, somehow, convince Connor in the UFC, whatever, to get that fight. It ain't going to happen. But that's a big payday. Uh, and if you're Connor McGregor, who, again, for, for those that don't know and haven't really figured it out, we're talking about a, a gentleman who operates on a different frequency nowadays. Even before, he was a different yeah. sort of cat. And now he's got millions. Well, he's going to be careful because he's getting sued. But. Um, yeah, we'll see how much money he's going to have left over. I'm sure he'll still have a lot, but, um, he operates in a different frequency. So he has a lot of fun with this and he, he's that guy or we all came across that guy. I don't know about you, Sean, you're, you're, you're a very witty guy. I'll, I'll, I'll admit to that. But we, I, me personally, I've always come across, you know, somebody that I'm like, ah, I can't battle wits with this guy. Whoa. He wins every verbal battle with me. No matter how good I think I am, I got something on him. He's going to get me to that one point where that little pause in me responding, he wins. My old boss was like that. My old boss, Bobby T, was just the, just so witty. I'm like, ah, damn it, he got me. He got me. Damn it. I'll get him back tomorrow. So uh, UFC 227 early estimates are in 300,000. That has to be – they have to be throwing a pizza party at the UFC PI <laughs> over that one. I didn't think they would do 300,000. I'm glad they did. I'm glad they did because uh, Dillashaw deserved it. Mighty Mouse deserved it. Cejudo deserved it. They deserved it. I, I can't. I can't to this day look at a pay per view number like that and be like, "Good job, guys." It's wild, right? Yeah. It's but in this day and age, Sean, you're right. Good for them. They all deserve it. I hope they all got tons and tons of money put into their bank accounts. Uh, but gone are those days where the average was 750,000. A million was a great pay-per-view, right? So, And you look at it, that's, gosh, that's over 10 million in pay-per-view revenue still. That's nuts to think about. Yeah. 10 million. Because, let's see. Let's look at, man, their payroll wasn't anywhere near that. It was 1.7 million. Yeah. Now, when I say over ten million in revenue, I'm taking the, I'm taking Directv's cut out. Not even imagining how many they did on Fight Pass, where they get to keep all of it, all the money. I ordered it on Amazon Prime, so I mean, whoo boy, that is a major money show. And 
a lot of UFC pay-per-views don't have 12 million. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of UFC pay-per-views don't have guys like four or five guys making six figures either. Now, some of these guys are going to get points, but who boy, that, that shows you they can still make money. They can still make money. Kamara Usman possibly is a UFC 227 backup. Good idea. I think so. Of course. Absolutely. Why not? Although uh, UFC 227, not 227, 228. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. 228 um, backup. 228 brings us to September 8th. Okay, there won't be a, uh, a Titan show anywhere around that time. Hey. It's probably going to be the end of September. So I, 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 that's good, though. That means I don't have to be around a miserable Kamara Usman. Transactions, Glayson Tebow gone from the UFC, had some battles, been there a long time. One of the, like, he's been there since the tough era started, pretty much. He's gone. He'll land somewhere. He'll be fighting in Brazil, headlining shows next month. Yeah. He's looking for an offer, though. That's going to get him motivated, right? So, Tom Lawler also released by the UFC. I think this was probably at his request. He has a blossoming professional wrestling career and has been working with MLW and is doing very well there. So I don't blame him. Absolutely. Good for him. And we wish him the best of luck. Uh, Lots of good times with Tom Lawler back in the day. Uh, Funny guy. Uh, He's a huge Nick Lentz fan. I'll just throw that out there. He loves to say, quote, I love the carny, end quote. Yeah. So. Ty Tuivasa and Tyson Pedro re-sign with UFC. Both, I think, good calls. You need them for these shallow divisions, and Tuivasa has done nothing but win thus far. Yeah, that guy's, that guy's, although cuckoo, he's got star written all yeah. over him. And disgusting. You're drinking beer out of a shoe. Stop. How about Tyson Pedro? Oh, that guy's a beast. He's a beast. I know, well, he lost his last fight, am I correct? Yes. Yeah, I don't care. He's great. He's awesome. Always exciting. Get her done. Also, uh, Cyborg Santos, not to be confused with Cyborg Justino, the uh, ex-husband of Cyborg Justino, says that he wants to return after Mike uh, Michael Venom Page pretty much ended his career with one of the most disgusting knees of all time. Guess he's finally getting released from that Pokeball. I don't think he should be fighting. I don't either. Nope. I don't either. Ugh. Man. It's just... Ole Sammy Ole, Gleason Tabal versus Pitbull and Bellator. Yep, probably. <laughs> probably. Scott Coker would love to talk to Eddie Alvarez if able. Yeah. That's an option for Eddie Alvarez, especially with Scott Coker there. And, I mean, different regime, yeah. I mean, he dealt with Bjorn Rebney the first time around, right? Yep. Clean slate. That's beautiful for Eddie Eddie Alvarez. Yep. Got to be happy if you're Eddie Alvarez. And if you're Bellator, you you, you want that. You want guys like that. And I think it's mature of Dana White to say, I understand. If he wants to go, he can go. Sure. But uh, I like that. I do I do like that. Are you familiar with Logan Paul? Um, the YouTube fella who put a dead body on his YouTube page from the, the suicide force in Japan? I know who he is now, yeah. A lot of requests from people sending me messages to get a hold of the matchmaking team from Ryzen. I'll fight him. I'll fight him. I'll fight him. I'll fight him. There you go. Uh, he is fighting KSI in a boxing match. Logan Paul does have, I think, collegiate wrestling experience. He wants to fight in the UFC. Meanwhile, GSP says, you know what? I approve of celebrities fighting in the UFC. How do you feel about it? Not in the UFC. 
not at all. I, I don't know what George is thinking. Uh, comedy, funny. Aliens. Aliens. Um, that's another topic for another day, by the way. Um, <laughs> I, I don't believe the, any, any celebrities should ever touch the UFC. If the UFC is the premier, slow, you know, quote-unquote Super Bowl of mixed martial unless arts. They, unless they earn it. If oh, yeah. They, if they move that, over and they earn it, they work their way up. My point sure. was going to be you, you have to earn your way to the UFC. This is this is a sport. I know the UFC is a business, but this is a sport where you have to earn your spot in competing for, quote-unquote, the big show. If you're not – I don't care how much value you bring uh, and numbers and stuff like that, and I get the UFC is all about making money. No. No. You, I mean we, we, we've seen it happen a couple of times now. Right, like guys that don't belong in the UFC strictly for numbers, you know. Like it, it, it to me, it screams of of desperation. You want something like that to take place, you put it in an organization that is known to bring in celebrities. Ryzen is known to bring in celebrities with martial arts backgrounds, yeah. To, because that's a different type of environment. It's a different type of spectacle and show in Japan. That makes sense. When that happens over there, it makes sense because it's part of the culture. They want to see the warrior spirit that any human has, as well as great fighting from fighters. Okay? I get it. UFC? No. Priscilla Cachoeira, after we saw her get practically murdered in February, looking to return in December. Will she ever be the same after that Shevchenko beating? Um, that's hard to say. I, I'd lean towards no, but... Anything can happen if you're. It's it, fighting is mental, man. A lot of it's it's physical because you're executing what needs to be done to finish your opponent. But it all starts mentally. And if you're if you can get over mental humps, you're, you're going to be a damn good fighter. And you take a beating if you can understand that you know what it wasn't my night. I got beat by a better fighter. Time to continue my my journey here. All you know, technically all will be fine. Also kind of relevant, Mario Yamasaki out on the outs with the UFC. So we saw Frank Trigg a couple weeks ago. That's good. Yeah, it's good. Good for Frank. But Frank. Hashtag because of Fightful. Yeah, true. I mean, yeah. all the good things happen to people in the world. I just want to say, we do a hell of a job scouting people to put on these shows that we did. I mean, did a pretty good job. Now, Tony Ferguson says that he is cleared. I don't want to ask you the ramifications of this. I just want to ask you, do you believe him? <laughs> I don't either. Nope. I don't nope, either. I, don't, I mean, I, I, another guy, Sean, that operates on a different frequency. You're telling me. So, you know, some, some people will buy what he's selling. Some people won't even look at the sign that says 10% off. It's just no. You know what? I'll believe it when I see him when a fight is announced. That's it. Yep. That's about it for this week in MMA. It's going to be, we're going to be in Toronto next week. The following week, James Lynch joins us. And here in my head, I even told Joe before the show went on the air, why didn't I just set up a live edition <laughs> of this podcast in Toronto since all three of us will be there? Eh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Not that sharp, I guess, but... James Lynch will, will join us. He'll provide a unique insight because he's talking to hundreds of fighters a month. You know, Showdown Joe has seen it all, still calling fights. And I'm just the, the schlub that sits here and guides the ship and then randomly runs it into an iceberg here and there. That's, that's what I like to do. Joe, what do you got going on this week? 
Same old, same old, man. I'm back. I'm, I'm adjusting to the time zone. I'm, I think I'm going to be fine. Um, <clears throat> I've never called in sick for anything in my life. Well, not my life. Anything broadcasting. Today was going to be one of those days. It was that close. I was, my, my body just wasn't handling it. woke up with a splitting headache. <laughs> um, but thanks to taking some uh, some quick medication, I'm back to normal. I'm doing okay. Back to soccer coaching tonight. Tomorrow game on Thursday. Uh, lots of MMA stuff going on that I'm going to be paying very close attention to. Got some calls to make. Um, and yeah, just continue, continue, continue. I will miss the first WWE pay-per-view ever since I've joined Fightful this Saturday. My coach, friend, tag team partner, wrestling opponent. If you see me wrestling on the independent circuit, it's probably because I'm working a charity event along with him because you got to have somebody that takes care of you in the cage or in the ring. Uh, Jay Grooms, you all can follow him, I think, at CrossFaceKilla on Twitter. He's getting married this weekend. Very excited about that. So, uh, guys, make sure you all tune in to the NXT post show. That's going to be a lot of fun. I won't be there, but I might make a cameo to do a Blue Chew ad. SummerSlam this weekend. We have stuff all weekend. We got lots of stuff. But Fightful Select, guys, I do UFC rankings, breakdowns. I post uh, UFC interviews, sometimes early access articles. I also have the If It Were a Work, If It Were a Shoot podcast. Check it out and follow me at Sean Ross Sapp. Follow Joe at Showdown Joe. Until next time, guys, we are out. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.